0: How's it going, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Optimize Self podcast. I am trying to be as active as I can at the moment with getting some podcast episodes back out there, but I am going to start being more productive with it and trying to deliver a little more quality. In saying that, this next episode is with a great friend of mine. His name is Nick Pierce. He is a professional tandem master, skydiver. I think he has over 9,000 jumps. However, at a young age, Nick Pierce was a very talented uh, bike rider, especially on a type of bike called a trials bike. Him and his brother were Australian champions and they came close to being, I think they were top 10 in the world at one point at the age of 16, 17, which is a huge feat in itself. If you guys don't know what trials riding is, I highly recommend you look it up. It's like uh, BMX riding on a smaller frame, a very light frame, but you manoeuvre around obstacle courses, trying to gain points, and it in just involves so much core strength and focus. It is a, a very, very technical sport. So it's a good episode. Um, it's done on the phone. It might sound a little bit raspy at some points, however, we did figure it out in the end, and. Like I said, I'm trying to become a little more professional in the way I deliver my podcast. However, some of the questions I deliver in this episode are not really up to scratch. I wasn't too happy with some of the questions I asked, specifically towards the end of the podcast. However, I just had to get it out, and I did enjoy this interview because it's always a pleasure talking with people about the certain lifestyle that they have led, especially when it's um, an interesting one, like being the number one and number two in your chosen sport in your country and traveling the world with it. So what I recommend is you guys just get into this. It's only about half an hour long. You'll enjoy it. And if you're enjoying the podcast, feel free to share it, tag me. You can check me out on Instagram, optimized.self, And I have a Facebook page as well. If you guys, after any online training or personal training coaching, I deliver online programs now. So check me out on my instagram account and my facebook and if you like what you see get in contact with me and i can offer you some great deals and some uh, great experience and knowledge with delivering programs so enjoy the podcast talk to you soon bye all right nick welcome to the Optimize Self podcast
1: hey man how you doing thanks for having me
0: no worries thanks for taking my time today and uh
1: having a chat you're um up in byron bay aren't you yeah, up in Byron, or just north at little um, little side of South Golden Beach, nice, which nice. is nice.
0: Um, now, for people who don't know, um, I grew up with I grew up with Nick. We grew up in the in the area. Like I've explained where it is before, Nimbin, New South Wales, which is just inland from Byron Bay. And Byron Bay is on like the the east coast of Australia, one of the most popular places in the country for tourism. Beautiful place at all in the world, that's for sure. Um, now, Nick, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what you currently do? Because you do live a little bit more of like a, like, I guess an interesting lifestyle with your career choice or what you do for a living. Do you want to just give us a
1: bit of a rundown of what you currently do? Um, yeah, pretty much just a professional full-time skydiver at the moment, just doing tandem skydives and teaching people how to skydive. So yeah, that's pretty much my day-to-day. And, um, yeah, yeah that's it. How long have so, you, nice. you been skydiving for? Uh, I think a little over 12 years now. It just started off pretty slow at the start. Just doing it for fun. with my not mates. And then sort of slowly got into it over the years and turned it into a job eventually. Okay. Um, and, I mean, 12 years in
0: skydiving is pretty interesting. I know it's kind of taken you around the world a little bit. But before we get into your skydiving, why don't we start back when you were growing up? Because for people that don't know you were... You were a professional in another sport before you got into skydiving. Um, So growing up with you, you were always, like, into bikes. We all had bikes. We were into, like, hitting dirt jumps, growing up in the bush, exploring. But you ended up becoming involved in
1: trials riding at quite a young age, didn't you? Um, Yeah, so I can't remember exactly how old I was. I think it was around 10 or 11. But, um, yeah, my mum, she met a new partner up and he used to do this thing called motorbike trials. Um, and do, yeah, you wanna, met, do you want to just
0: explain what trials is on a BMX or a motorbike to people that wouldn't know?
1: Yeah, so trials, it's like, it's when you're taking a, a motorbike to a set obstacle course and you just, um, yeah, can't put your feet on the ground pretty much. You've got two minutes to get through the course and yeah, and you lose points, it's sort of like golf if you um, put your foot on the ground. So it's kind of like, um,
0: BMX riding, but you're, you're balancing around obstacle courses and, you know, you're competing for, for points and time. Is that right? Uh, exactly. Yeah. Not, not so much time. You just,
1: yeah, you lose points if you go over an excess time, but yeah. yeah. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, it's pretty popular in European countries, right? Like very popular.
1: Yeah, for sure. So the French and the Spanish are the, like the leaders. It's not so big in the States, but yeah, the Europeans definitely dominate. A little bit in Japan as well. Okay.
0: So, how, you don't, really, you can't remember how old you were
1: when you started getting into it, like 12,
0: 13, or was it younger than that?
1: No, nah, yeah, I think it would have been about, yeah, 10, 11 maybe. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, um, quite, quite early. So, tell us
0: how, like, you know, your journey a little bit, say, for your first few years and then starting to get into competition at a young age, like, how did that come about wanting to actually compete? Um,
1: well, I guess it was just when you're kids, you just get just so, I don't know, passionate about something and me and my brother, we just started riding and you just started out for the love of it and we just did it every day and then I forget who decided to go to the comp first, but we just went to a, to one comp and did really badly and it just, just sort of went from there and then went to another one and yeah, and started getting better and better results and I don't, yeah, I'm not sure if I consider myself a really competitive person, but yeah, it just, we just sort of got more into it. And it was more a way of just networking with other riders and meeting like minded people and traveling and stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, can you remember how long after you would, you were, you were riding for until you started to like compete and like get really, like, you know, start to get better results and see yourself getting better and better in the country?
1: Um, I'm not sure, like, the time frame. I think when I was about 15 or 16, my brother, Dan, his, we, yeah, a, we rode together, and he he started getting really good results. And then, I guess I get a little bit competitive with him, and yeah, so that sort of pushed me more and more. And then I started closing the gap between him, and we just started competing against each other really. And
0: um, what is the like the way they rate competition in Australia with trials riding? Is it a state championship, and is it a, a national championship,
1: or how does it actually work? Uh, yeah, so, yeah, you got your states and your nationals, and I think there was different federations like UCI and, and yeah, a couple of different sort of mountain bike associations. But, yeah, so we started just at sort of local level and then worked all out through the state and nationals and then yeah. to the world, world eventually.
0: So how long did it take for you guys to become um, number one and two in the country? Like, how old were you as
1: well? Um... I can't exactly remember how old I was. I think I was about 16. Yeah. So, my um, brother, Dan, he'd won it for two years previous to me. So, yeah, it was sort of, yeah, he won it. And then I took it off him, I think, when I was 16.
0: So around 14, 16, you guys were competing against each other for number one and two in the country. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And was this Open, like men's
1: opens? Yeah, yeah, men's Open. So I was competing against, yeah, 20, 30, 40-year-olds, which is good to... Somehow, fun as a young kid. Nice, <laughs> oh, that's
0: pretty solid. I yeah, mean, it's good fun. Yeah, yeah. I remember watching you compete. or just do like shows and stuff, and super technical sport. If people haven't heard about trials riding, I recommend you look it up because it's crazy what some some of the stuff you guys can actually do on a bike. Um, so. With competing, like once you became like an Australian champion, how old were you when you decided to travel to say like the European countries and start competing?
1: Um, it was, yeah, it was all a pretty similar time. So I guess just after the, I think, won the Aussie Championships, we got the opportunity to um, go to the World Championships in Europe. It was like a sort of tour in Europe and Japan. Okay. And, um, yeah, so me and Dan were actually the first guys to, to, um, represent Australia in trials, which was cool. Wow. But we went over there and it was, yeah, it was a bit of a shock at the start. <laughs> like, seeing how it's probably done in Europe and stuff and it was a bit was overwhelming. It, was the
0: level just, like, completely off the
1: charts compared to Australia? Um, yeah, yeah, it was, but over there, like, it wasn't, we weren't competing against Open, we dropped into age groups yeah which was good, but like the Europeans they took it really serious, and like coaches and staff and leaders dropped up from Nimbin. and yeah, it was a bit of a shock to the system of how like handling the pressure of big comps, like the first couple that really got to me, and I w- wasn't riding anywhere near my ability just because of the pressure, yeah, so just yeah learning how to manage your, your stress and anxiety and comps was the biggest thing, but over the four comps, like every comp I sort of yeah, figured it out a bit of just, just letting it go and just realizing just do it for fun and every time I sort of got better places and then finding finals in Japan I think like the podium finishes third. Which is good, good for that yeah. But that was all from just once I let go and just thought stuff it just have fun, don't compete. And that was the yeah. biggest change for me, I think.
0: How old were you then? You like sixteen?
1: Yeah, I think sixteen, maybe almost seventeen.
0: Was so that third in the world in your age age division? Uh yeah. And that was pretty solid. I thought you, like, got to 10. I didn't realise you got top three.
1: Oh, that was just in the finals competition. It wasn't over, like, the whole event. But, yeah, yep. just, the, just the finals okay. in Japan. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, like,
0: how did you go? Like, can you remember anything, you know, the way you kind of dealt with some of that stress of competing at a young age and being on the world stage? Or is it, I mean, it was a while ago
1: now, like 15 years or more. Yeah. Um you remember um, much, yeah. you know? Yeah, I I remember there was a competition It was in France. I think it was the second round. But yeah, I was halfway through the comp and I was bombing everything. Having the worst comp I think I've ever had. And then I think it was, yeah, towards the end, I was just like, stuff it, I'm over it. Like I pretty much gave up in my head and just like, I'm just going to just go for all, not ride conservative, just ride like me and my brother would be training and just don't care if I I crash or whatever. And as soon as I did that, it just, everything changed. Like I started having fun, enjoying it and doing way better. Just not trying to play safe, just letting it go really. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So
0: once you come back from Japan at 16, did you guys continue to compete in Australia or did you go back to like the
1: world stage like year after year for a while? How did it work? Um... Yeah, the, in the time frame, I'm not quite sure, but yeah, we competed for a little bit longer. I think we went back to the worlds maybe once more, just the finals in Japan. But, um, yeah, we sort of started tapering off a little bit and then we focused a little bit more on doing shows, more yep. demonstra- demonstrations and stuff and a little bit less pressure and leaving the competition behind. Yeah.
0: How was that? Did you, was that kind of like a bit of a sigh of relief just getting into like, showing people your natural skill rather than having to be so regimented in, like, a competition
1: environment. Yeah, Yeah, for sure, man. It was like, there's no pressure then. It's just you can, if you crash, you get a clap instead of it sort of ruining your day. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just the stress goes away and then, yeah, you get to see a lot more places and actually get paid instead of putting out, forking out a lot of money to go to comps.
0: Yeah, you know how many countries you'd been to before you were eighteen? You can't remember too many. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, travelled sure. a fair bit,
1: haven't you, with it before, like as a teenager? Yeah, for sure. So we travelled all through Europe, um, competing in Japan. We did shows in Indonesia, and New Zealand. Yeah. So yeah, what was quite a bit, which I guess looking back and pretty fortunate to have done that all by the time I was eighteen, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty solid.
0: Yeah. Uh, so once you started, like, once you finished up, you know, competing at a world, you know, kind of on a world level, like a, a world championship level, what what were some of the shows you did touring with? I know it was the era of, you know, freestyle motocross is huge. Obviously, um, uh, extreme sports and that. The X Games were getting huge, like, at that point. Yeah. And you had an invitation to a tour with us pretty popular group of,
1: of guys, or promotion, I should say. Yeah. Who was that? Um, yeah, so, yeah, we did a few things. That actually competed in the X Games. That was one of the last comps. That was pretty fun. But, um, but yeah, we got to tour with the Crusty Demons of Dirt. Yeah. And they were, they were huge at the time. Like, I know, they were sort of our idols when we were going up, big motocross stars. And, yeah, we we got somehow got in with the first show that they ever did, of oh, the first show in Brisbane was part of their tour in Australia. And, yeah, we went up there and had a good show and ended up doing a big trick off the a 360 off the top of the big bulldozer at the end of the show. And the promoter came and saw us at the end and loved our work and said, hey, jump on tour and we'll um, come around Australia, which was amazing. Um, yeah, doing stuff with, with our idols and meeting the people who looked up to for so long. Yeah, mm. cool. So you got to tour with them around Australia on their first tour? Yeah. yeah, it was pretty, pretty special.
0: Yeah. People that don't know, the Crusty Demons of Dirt were a huge, like one of the first or the pioneers of extreme, um, like I guess motocross, freestyle motocross riding. Um, at the time, carry Hart has probably lasted to very, sorry, landed the first backflip on a motorbike, I'm pretty sure, in competition. Yeah, yeah that's right. They came out to Australia and toured a bunch of times, but you were lucky enough to tour with them on their first show, which would have been pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, it was amazing to to sort of meet meet your idols and sort of ride along alongside them. But yeah, it was yeah. just cool, cool seeing seeing them and meeting them and just realizing that they're sort of normal people and and yeah, just, just got a passion for what they love, sort of like what we did, but at a bigger scale, of course. But yeah, yeah it was cool to be a part of. Yeah, for sure.
0: So after the um, after the tour with the Crusty Demon, did you start to kind of? I know mean, you would have been finishing up high school, and then you know, trying to figure out what the next stage and was in your life would be. Did you did you start to give
1: up trials riding a little bit because life was changing? Um. Yeah. So it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a conscious decision, really, to sort of give it up. But life sort of changes a little bit at that age, and so yeah, I guess once we finished school, I was searching for something else, and. I think I'd felt like I'd sort of reached a plateau with riding. Yeah. Sort of, sort of getting the Australian Championships and and competing overseas and stuff. I just thought, if I want to keep doing this, I should take it any further. It's just a huge commitment for not just like a little bit of progression, if that makes sense. But yeah, um, but yeah so during that time, my mum got me and my brother Scott up for our birthdays and that just came at the perfect time and we sort of landed from the jump and we were like, holy shit, like
0: this really
1: is amazing. Like let's for let's like can we do this? And just found out that we could actually do it by ourselves and start the course the next week and we we're just hooked since then. Yeah, really.
0: Yeah. Um, was it a bit of a similar feeling to like you know the experience and the the things you would feel when you were like in the zone in trials riding and just enjoying yourself. Was it a similar type of thing you could feel from skydiving,
1: Like were they similar experiences? Um, I guess at the start it was just it was a little bit different. It was just a little bit more like it was so intense, it was just so full on. Mm. But um quickly after that that full adrenaline side wears off and then it then it actually becomes down to progression and skills and stuff. Then it did feel very similar, and that's what I really enjoyed. Is is actually sort of learning stuff, I suppose. that yeah, like yeah, but you have just as much fun learning as you do when you're the sort of at the top of your game.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. So you I mean, flash forward, say what, twelve years, and you've
0: been side item for that long. Where has, like, what level are you at, say now? I, I mean, I don't know the ratings of side item but. I mean, how many jumps would you have under your
1: belt? Um, so, yeah, it's been been a long journey, I guess. It's been about 12, 13 years, I think. But, yeah, at the start, it's quite slow because it's quite expensive and just sort of plodded along and what did, I think I only did 400 jumps over so the first four years. And then yeah. after that, I was doing a carpentry apprenticeship and then sort the of once I finished my apprenticeship, I'm like, I've want to take this a little bit more seriously. My brother had done a commercial skydiving course in New Zealand. All right. And then as I've done with most stuff in my life, I followed my brother. He's been big inspiration, I guess. And then did that course as well, and that sort of changed my trajectory a lot. And now I've fast forward to now, I think at about 9,000 jumps and, yeah, travelled the world with it. And, yeah, it's been a pretty pretty wild ride. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's pretty, um,
0: I think it's pretty cool that you and your brother, your older brother have done this, done this together. You know, you've led very similar journeys with your, like, your career path and the things that you're into. Yeah. Um, was he always an inspiration for you
1: growing up being your older brother? Yeah, a hundred percent, man. I think, I know, ever since we were like tiny little kids, I've always looked up to him and sort of followed what he's done. And yeah, with bikes, like, he started first, and then I followed him there, and then, yeah, we rode for years, and then the same thing with skydiving. Mean, he was the one. He's always taken the risk. He took the first step to really try to make it as a career, and I did did the same thing and followed his footsteps, and still yeah. right, there, right there with him now, <laughs> working yeah. working alongside him, and yeah. Yeah,
0: it's awesome.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: It's good to be able to
1: have someone to share
0: it with as well. Yeah. And getting back to like when you were talking about relaxing kinda of like under pressure when you were in did you say Europe or Japan and you're competing, you weren't doing too well and you mentioned that yeah. you just kinda of relaxed and just had just enjoyed yourself rather than worried about the competition. Yeah. Have you found that kind of experience has come up a number of times throughout your skydiving career if you've ever like
1: had to pass certain, you know, uh, maneuvers or tests with your yeah. you know, side diving? Yeah, I hundred percent. Like I've taken, that was one of the biggest lessons I learned. With, I guess it's not so much competing, but life in general and stuff. If you just, I don't know, where you just don't take it so seriously. Like it, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, mm. whether you whether you're first or last or whatever, no one really gives a shit. So mm. it's just it's just your own head. So, so yeah, whenever never get stressed, I just like try to take a step back and just go like, oh, this is fun. Yeah. Like, like yeah and just enjoy it and it always has sort of taken that edge off and I yeah, find out not so much like I improve a lot more and I'll, and yeah have more fun for sure I think that's the most important thing really
0: <laughs> yeah have fun at the end of the day like all yeah. the process you kind of forget about the process a lot that's for sure yeah that's it don't that
1: um, to take life too serious
0: yeah have you um, competed at all with skydiving? I mean, I'm not sure if there is a skydiving kind of like circuit uh, with competition, but have you ever competed with skydiving ever?
1: Um, no. i thought about it for a long time. Like, there is lots of competitions and stuff. But I realised that, I'm, yeah, I'm not really too competitive. <laughs> yeah, like, unless it's your older brother. Unless it's my older brother. But, um, yeah, i thought about it for years, but I really... I guess I'm my biggest competitor is myself. I feel like having my own skills to benchmark and try and improve on that really and I'd, and just jump with friends and if I can do it all, all together without being judged from a third party that's how I I'd, I'd have the most fun. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, man. Um, so out of
0: like your experiences of you know, like it's a pretty different type of life to live, especially as a as a you know a teenager and a young kid and getting into into a sport and competing like that. Like you sport at a young age. but how do you feel that kind of shapes you now? Now you're older. You know you're in your early thirties and life might seem a little bit different. Do you ever look back and think you know like those experience experiences are extremely helpful?
1: Um. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's hard to pinpoint stuff, but just knowing that, like, if everything's a bit stressful, I can just look back and to know that, that what I achieved and what I've done over my life, like, if I look at it, if I write it down on paper, it's, like, I'm, I'm amazed by it. And just to know that I've done that, if I can do that, then, like, I'm capable of doing that, if not more now, mm. using everything I've learned. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. Yeah, That's man, really solid. Um,
0: So, like, for anyone that, you know, I mean, I would say you, you're one person that I know that has, like, you know, distance, and them, distance themselves from the norm of, like, you know, choosing certain career paths or, you know, following kind of herd mentality. Like, do you have any, like, any tips or, you know, advice to people that are looking at to try and, you know, do something um, different and not too
1: certain with, you know, where they should go? young especially young um, I should say yeah I guess like I've done the same thing Like I try a normal job and everything but the biggest thing I've learnt I don't know, throughout all this is if you never give it a go you're never going to know like if you're sitting there thinking about should I do it should I not you'll never ever know until you give it a crack and if it works out it works out and you've got everything to to gain from it but if it doesn't it's just it doesn't and move on and, and give the next thing a crack like yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Experience,
1: hey. Eh? That, that's it. You got to give it a crack, and it yeah, hasn't really let me down too much. So, I'll stick by it. Yeah, nice.
0: Um, yeah. Well, before I let you go, is there anywhere where anyone can kind of like tap into, like you know, your uh, your social media handles? Cause I know you've got quite a few good videos and edits up. Like, what what are your handles? People wanted to ever find you.
1: Um. Geez, what is it? I think Instagram Nick Pierce eleven maybe. Yeah. one. Yeah, maybe it's Nick Pierce on Facebook. I'm not yep. not not too active on it, but there is some some stuff from the past. Yeah.
0: And which um which Crusty demons was it? Which video were you on? Was it ten?
1: Nine or ten? No, it was old. I think it was 7th seven, mission, seven I think. One of the crafty Krusty- yeah.
0: yeah if, so. if, you, if you can
1: find that'll be impressed. I think it's on VHS maybe. <laughs> yeah.
0: And look for the guys on bikes jumping off my shit. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. That's it. All
0: right, man. well thanks a lot for uh taking the time to have a chat and um I will I'll be speaking to you soon and I enjoyed it. No worries. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. No worries, have a good one.